Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, folks. And welcome. To another edition of the Big Orange Podcast, the A to Z Sports Big Orange Podcast. That's the full name. I'm Charlie Burris here, as always, with my co-host and A to Z Sports writer Zach Reagan. Wherever you listen throughout the world, we thank you so much for listening to us. Zach and I talk everything balls every week here on the Big Orange Podcast. And if you want to listen to it on the reg, make sure you go over to the A to Z Sports. Uh, podcast network feed spotify apple and subscribe 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 and then you won't miss an episode when they drop it and if you want to see video which in the last few weeks we've had some some nice visual elements like the background behind me with our perpetual guest Vern lundquist go to the a to z sports youtube uh and subscribe there too and you'll get all of the content that they have over there because they have youtube specific stuff all the other shows on a to z at Charlie underscore Burris, at Zach TNT, at A to Z Sports, Facebook.com slash A to Z Sports National on the old social medias and A to Z Sports.com for everything that Zach and I and everybody over there writes. <laughs> well, Zach, we had a week where we got to celebrate an SEC championship. First time 40, 43 years, right? That was fun. I completed shooting star, it seems. Um, but we did. I, I know I at least cherished it because it came crashing down, as all things do with Tennessee sports, it seems. We talked. The Vols were the best team until the Sweet 16 in their quadrant of the bracket. We weren't sure about Villanova. I still believe that to be the case. Um, but they lose to Michigan. I this am I gonna throw up live on this podcast right now? They lose to Michigan and Juwan Howard and this tall kid who dunked all over us, and the point guard that throws up this free cook shot and this every what it's every time, Zach. It's every time. Why? Why? Why, God? Why must it be like this? We said on the show last week that all we wanted was to come on here and just be like, Tennessee, they just took care of business. Straight to the Sweet 16. Then it gets really tough. Then it's Villanova. Hey, if you, if you lose to Villanova, Villanova's a great basketball team. Michigan? I mean, let's get into it, Zach. How, how you doing? How we doing? I... uh I wrote a column about Rick Barnes this morning and it kind of brought everything from Saturday night back to the surface. So I quickly had to go read an article about Urban Meyer and how terrible he was 
in Jacksonville. It was full of great stories on The Athletic. And I kind of got my mind off of it for a little bit, got a good laugh out of it. But nothing can kind of really wash away what happened Saturday night. And a few weeks ago on the podcast, before the SEC tournament, I said that if Tennessee wins the SEC tournament, that it doesn't matter what happens after. Even if they lose in the first round of the NCAA tournament this season, you know, it would it would be a great season. And now that it's happened, and they lost in the opening weekend, not the first round, but the second round, um, I, 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 I was wrong. That It doesn't make it any better. <laughs> it, it really doesn't. And, and I think I said that because I didn't think that this was going to happen. Like, I really believed that this team was going to go to – at least the Sweet 16, and, and I thought it had a legitimate Final Four, you know, shot. Like, it, they could, they were good enough to make the Final Four, and we all know that. A lot of people know that. It just, it's another, it's another Rick Barnes early exit. Nine, nine out of his last 10 NCAA tournament appearances, he has not made it out of the opening weekend. That dates back to his time at, at Texas, and that is, that's a sobering, a very sobering stat. It sucks. It it makes me. I I said this on on Twitter. This was my primary thought after this game. It just makes me angry. Because yeah, I I was with you, and and I this is still true to a certain extent. I, the the joy of that SEC championship is not gone. That is still an amazing thing. First time in forty three years. You can't take that away. It's it's a banner that'll hang in the rafters, and that's incredible. We we talked all about it. Last week, I you're you're not gonna take that away from me. You got you got ever you got all of that over on every other SEC team, all of your your in conference rivals. You won the SEC championship. That happened, and you can't take that away. And that's amazing. You can't take that away from Rick Barnes either. And I think that point needs to be made. He did do something that he had not done since 1994, and something he's only done twice in his entire career. He won the Big East back then with Providence. Won the SEC this year with Tennessee. Um. You can't take it away. But what makes me angry is that now, like, as I said, if you had got to the Sweet 16 and you lose to Villanova, you go, Villanova was a really great basketball team with one of the best coaches in all of college basketball. A guy who has won two national championships in the last 10 years. You know, just a, a, a guy who will eventually be a living legend in Jay Wright. If he's not already. Like, that's okay, fine. You lost to Villanova. They're also a higher seed. A three losing to a two. Whatever. Michigan, I, I will say this. Perhaps we did not give Michigan its due. They are extremely talented, and we should have mentioned this on, on the show last week more. They, I mean, they are packed with players. They, they actually had a higher recruiting class last year than Tennessee did, but their players did not pan out like Tennessee's uh, recruits did. Their their guys did not turn out like Kennedy Chandler. Um, they they only won seventeen games. I mean, I still kind of stick by this, despite how they're playing. They did not deserve to be in the NCAA tournament. They did not. There were teams Texas A&M won twenty three games and didn't get in, <laughs> and they won seventeen and got in. It's absurd, but it is a good team that's packed with talent. There there is that element that. Almost nobody gave them that due going in because Tennessee had just been playing so well. With that said, though, Tennessee was still, and you saw it in the game, Tennessee was still the better team. You you had you had more talent, or you you had 
players who were playing their best basketball at more positions than Michigan had. They had you completely beat at the five. That that big man just destroyed Tennessee is what it is. But at every other position, you you were right there with him and at most positions better. And you couldn't make shots. You were they missed wide open shots they had been making for weeks. For weeks. I mean, wide open threes that Zakai Siegler had been making in Brixham. That Kennedy Chandler had been making in Brixham. That, that uh, Josiah Jordan James had been making in Brixham. And, you know, it, it's, it just is too, it's too, too Tennessee. And it's too, frank, frankly, the discussion that sucks here is it's too Rick Barnes. I wanted him so badly. So, 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 so badly to shed this whole thing so that we don't have to have this conversation. And I know there's people that are going to listen to this and go, well, just don't have the conversation. No, that's not how this works. You do have to talk about it. You have to talk about the reality on the ground. Yes, Rick got over a hurdle at the SEC championship game. Again, you can't take that away. But you have to look at the reality on the ground. The, the guy, it's whatever it is, whatever it is in March, you you look at this game, and I, I guess I do walk away with this particular game sympathetic to Rick Barnes because his team, he I think he came in coaching with the expectation that his team would make the shots that they had been making. That was the strategy that they took. They didn't really change up the, the game that they had been playing, and Michigan went out and beat Tennessee at its own game. Um making shots when it mattered. They just made more plays than you did. And I don't necessarily blame Rick for coming in with the strategy that had been working. I'm not going to blame him for that. If, if the strategy hadn't been working and he comes in trying to fit a, you know, a square peg into a round hole, so to speak, that's one thing. But this has been working. You just won the SEC championship. You know, this has been working. You beat Kentucky. In a dominant way, you beat Kentucky. You know, and, and you walk away and you go, this strategy is working. Just go out and do the same and force your will. And then if you get if you play a team that's clearly better than you, then we can we can talk about, you know, doing trying to do something different. The shots did not fall. So with all that said, I will say to a certain extent, I'm I'm sympathetic to Rick Barnes here. I know that's gonna shock people because they everybody I know everybody thinks I'm the fire everybody guy. I've never said to fire Rick Barnes. I've never said to fire Rick Barnes. Let's get that out of the way. And I absolutely will not do it here. You just won an SEC championship. Are you what? What are you talking about? Who's talking about firing Rick Barnes after he won an SEC championship? That's ridiculous. It's stupid that I have to say that. But I, I am, I'm sympathetic to him here. I do think the strategy had been working. And then the shots, they just they hit the rim at a different angle than they were hitting before. And it makes me ill because now, because of that, because the strategy that had been working just had an off night. We have to, you just, you have to mention that Rick, is he cursed? I don't think so. But his history in March is horrific, might be strong, but it's not good. <laughs> his history in March is not good. He, he went out in the second round with Kevin Durant. And you just can't, you can't run away from that. You can't. It is what it is. You just, it's part of this conversation, unfortunately. I mean, wait, 
where do you go from here? I I don't I don't know. I hate it. Like I said, it makes me so angry, man. Yeah, ah. I, th- I think the one thing about your uh, talking about the strategy working, you're right. It has it has been working. It worked in the SEC tournament. It worked the last basically the month last month. It worked against Longwood. I mean, when they hit like 14 threes against Longwood. Yeah, but there were times this season that that we saw this Tennessee team. I mean, it's not like this came out of nowhere. So you kind of wonder, like, did did Barnes bank on that just a, a little too much? Because, you know, we have seen this before. You got to kind of expect it's going to come back around. I mean, it's not like that, that that part of the team just went away or that they put that all behind them. Clearly, they haven't. I don't know. It, it felt like there's something about playing in the NCAA tournament you have to adjust that it's a different style of game it's a completely different game and you see a coach like Michigan State's Tom Izzo like how many times have we seen Michigan State be like a four seed or a five seed and they're like in the final four that didn't happen this year they lost to Duke uh, on Sunday but we've seen it a lot where these Michigan State teams weren't that great during the regular season and then all of a sudden they show up in the tournament and they're in the final four and it's like Barnes is the opposite of that. I mean, you've seen it on Twitter and social media, regular season Rick. I mean, that he deserves that at this point. There's no there's no argument against it. There is a reason that I, I mentioned it before. There's a reason Jay Wright has two national championships. There's a reason that Shashevsky, as much as I want that guy to lose and get his comeuppance, there's a reason that he has his national championships. And we'll get into that in just a second, because Zach, we do have. Thank, thankfully, this. Here's something that I'll say. You know what helps take the pain of a terrible Tennessee loss? Food. Um, you can drown your sorrows. I. T- <laughs> Is that bad to say? Good food. Good food is good for the soul. And thankfully, in in this time of sorrow, the good folks at HelloFresh are coming through for us. They're sponsoring the show yet again this week. Thank you, thank you, thank you to HelloFresh. They are awesome. Uh, And they are helping us out with promo code VOLS16. You can get 16 free meals. HelloFresh delivers pre-portioned ingredients to your door, including farm-fresh produce that arrives within a week. So you get convenience without skimping on quality. You can skip that trip to the grocery store, saving you the wait in long lines and ensuring you don't waste money on any excess food. Uh, Give us a little more uh, on HelloFresh, Zach. Yeah, it was a tremendous help during the NCAA tournament and really just in general. We both work from home. You think it's it's always easy. You work from home. you, You just cook food whenever you want to. But the days get hectic. Before you know it, it's 4 or 5 o'clock in the, in the afternoon. You've made no plans for any food. You, you, you've got to then kind of run to the grocery store, put a plan together, figure out what you're going to do. HelloFresh eliminates that. I mean, they have recipes that can be done in 20 minutes. I had a nice uh, Italian herby pan seared chicken that was tremendous, ready in, in 20 minutes or so. Didn't have to stress about what I was going to do for dinner. Didn't have to really take my attention away from the NCAA tournament or if you're still working. It's a great option. Everybody's busy, you know, whether you're in the office, you got to run home and figure out dinner, or if you're already at home, like I said, 
HelloFresh pretty much has you covered for for whatever you need. Yeah, so HelloFresh sent us meals uh, as as a part of this. And again, thank you to them. Incredibly generous for them helping out the show. I made a sweet, let me make sure I get this right, sweet chili pork and cabbage stir fry. I, I kid you not. It sounds like it's similar to your meal. 20 minutes, you throw it together. They send it in these this awesome little pre-portioned way that it's all there for you. I don't have to go search all the aisles of the grocery store. Oh, I got to find this and that. And then I got to get the teaspoon thing out, put the what you know, you don't have to do any of that stuff in tw- 20 minutes. And it was awesome. It was this really, really great meal. I was truly uh, in, impressed. Um, and the thing is, with this promo, Vols 1-6, you can get 16 free meals and three free gifts. I mean, what more do we need to say? Again, do you need to drown your sorrows uh, about Tennessee sports? Hope, hopefully soon. Ba- baseball looks pretty good. Hopefully this passes. This too shall pass. But while we are still mourning, hello, fresh meals. You don't want to, you're, you're down. Tennessee punched you in the gut yet again. You don't want to spend all of that time doing the grocery store and the blah, blah, blah. Vols 1-6 at HelloFresh.com. Let me let me make sure that I get uh, all of this right. HelloFresh.com slash Vols 1-6. V-O-L-S 1-6. Use code Vols 1-6. Up to 16 free meals. Three free gifts. HelloFresh.com. HelloFresh is America's number one meal kit. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you to them. For helping out the show, taking a little bit of the sting. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's perfect sports. Perfect time of year to get started with HelloFresh too. Spring, spring is officially started. People's lives get busier and busier. You got kids, you got practices to get to. I know that's my life half the time, and this this just makes your weeks a whole lot easier. It really does. I uh, was very very impressed with the stuff that they they sent us. It was great. Can't suggest that enough. Now. As I teased there, did I tease it? I mean, I think folks know where this is going, but I'll say it again. There's a reason that Jay Wright has two national championships. There's a reason that Kay has his national championships. However, I don't remember off the top of my head how many it is. Um, There's a reason that some guys, there. there's a reason that Eric Musselman in three years has more NCAA tournament wins than Rick Barnes has in seven at Tennessee. Hmm. That's a tough, that's a tough, tough stat to swallow, man. That's a, t- oh my gosh. In three years, Eric Musselman in Arkansas has more NCAA tournament wins. Mike White at Florida made an elite eight mm. and got fired from Florida. Now, Mike, I, t- somebody said, I mentioned this on Twitter and somebody came back. So, well, do you want Mike White as the coach? Stop it. You know that that's not what this means when we talk about this. It's it's the pain of the fact that it, it, who is, in my opinion, an inferior coach has more NCAA tournament wins than Rick Barnes does. What's the deal? What's the deal there? As I said, is he cursed? I personally do not think so. In, and despite the fact that I am, to whatever extent, sympathetic to him in this particular case, where I do think he he leaned on a strategy that had been working and ultimately... That ended up being a mistake, although I I would put it this way. I would have done the same. <laughs> I mean, you go out and you shoot 110% from the floor against Longwood, you probably think you're going to make some shots against Michigan. 
and to to Michigan's credit, we should say this to Michigan's credit, they played great defense. They did play great defense. They came in with a great strategy. Credit to to Juwan Howard. He came in and and pressed the issue with Tennessee, and he really stuck it to him. Tennessee should have been able to fight through. They had this is the thing had the open shots at the end. There, that's why that sort of excuse, like oh Michigan played great defense, they did. You had the shots at the end, wide open. You had the shots at the end with and, and Scobie was so off that whole game. Did they just couldn't spring him open and just it, it wasn't working? And that now that's credit to Michigan. You just couldn't spring Vescovy open, but the, the couple of Zakai threes. I mean, you hit those, you win that game probably. I, I don't even say probably. I think you just you do. You probably win it on free throws at the end by six or seven uh, if he hits those threes. And that it's brutal, but it's the truth. And blame whoever you want to. As I said, I'm not going to in this particular game. I'm not going to just go, it's all Rick. This is on his shoulders. He needs to take the fall. I don't really feel that way this time. But you do have to talk about why does he lose a march like this? Why? It's yeah, man. Sucks. I think I think if if and I think most would agree with this. If this game was just like in a vacuum, you're not looking at anything else. Nobody's really talking about Rick Barnes. You're talking about the missed shots. You're talking about Vescovy not really playing that well. Really, nobody except Kennedy Chandler played that well. Um, that that that's the major talking points from this game. But when you put it all in perspective and you look at the whole body of work, you have I mean, you can't put an asterisk by this game when you look at Rick Barnes' tournament resume. I mean, it is what it is, and it's it follows the pattern that we've been talking about for the past several years. I mean, we've been doing this podcast for over two years now, and we've had this conversation about Rick Barnes in the tournament multiple times, and he just continues to prove that he's not an NCAA tournament coach. Regardless of how that particular game turned out or how other games have turned out, the results have been the same. I mean, who who wants to hear excuses? That doesn't really make you feel any better. And then when you see these other coaches, like you mentioned, Eric Musselman and even Mike White advancing in the tournament or some of the teams that have advanced to the Sweet 16 this week. I mean, St. Peter's is in the Sweet 16 as a 15 seed. Um, it's... When I wrote wrote a column this morning about Barnes, it is a very strange place for Tennessee basketball to be in because I believe two things to be true. I believe that Rick Barnes is a Hall of Fame coach. I believe he's been great for Tennessee. I believe the program is in a better place than it was under Bruce Pearl, obviously, because they've won an SEC tournament championship. They don't. He's played clean. He, there's no NCAA issues. He has a great reputation. People love Rick Barnes. There's no shady stuff going on behind the scenes. And it's a perennial NCAA tournament team, except for his first, what, year and the COVID year when they probably weren't going to make it. I mean, this has been a locked-in tournament team pretty much. And that is not something that Tennessee was under Conzo Martin necessarily. And even Bruce Pearl, you know, I think his last year, did they they miss the tournament or went out early? I, I can't remember exactly, but it, it was kind of, fizzling out towards the end of Pearl's tenure as well. So I think that the team's in a great place, but I also think that has been the ceiling for this team, the NCAA tournament appearance. That's it. Uh, anything that happens from there is just a miracle run <laughs> at this point. 
And there's no evidence to suggest that that will ever change. And I've already seen plenty of Facebook comments on what I wrote this morning that disagrees that that's the ceiling for the program. And I, I just don't see how you can disagree with that. I mean, unless they just go on this miracle run that you get a transcendent Anthony Davis type player to come in and play for a year that can just carry the team literally on his shoulders to a Final Four appearance that, that is that dominant. And even then, we don't know that Rick Barnes can do it because he had that giant Kevin Durant and couldn't do it. But that's really the only thing that's going to get this team to a Final Four. Until I see otherwise, there's there's no reason to believe that the ceiling is any higher than what we've seen the past few years. It's tough. Uh, I mean, the, the argument really is with Rick at this point, is he I, – I think – this is easy to say. He's he's the best basketball coach Tennessee has had in the modern era. And I guess what I mean by that would be since the three-point line was instituted, maybe, which I think was 1981. Yeah, late 70s, 80s, early 80s, somewhere in there. Yeah. I, I believe it was after Tennessee won its last SEC championship game. <laughs> I think um, so, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'd, I'd have to look it up to be sure. I'm pretty sure um, I remember like, that famous Michael Jordan shot there in 82, there being no three-point line. So yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it was later. Um, and so of the modern, he did Bruce Cook. He won an SC championship at Tennessee. And, and that, that takes him over the top there. Yeah, Bruce Bruce made an Elite Eight, but in the long run, what exactly does an Elite Eight mean? I mean, it's not a Final Four. Final Final Four, you're, you're there on the floor where a national championship will be won. Um, and in elite eight, you're a full step back from that. You don't get to cut down the nets by making it to an elite eight. You do by winning an elite eight game. And Bruce did not do that, you know, and then, and Rick, so Rick in the NCAA tournament, he got to a sweet 16. And so I, he is the best coach that Tennessee has had in the modern era. And I, and maybe, maybe ever, I think there's an argument to be made there also, but nonetheless, uh, you take that into account, and yeah, as you're saying there, you also have to say he just has this really tough history of just not getting it done in in March, and that's that's why that that SEC championship was so truly shocking, and why I said last week I felt like I I couldn't have been more lucky as a Tennessee fan because I really felt like I'm I think most people know I'm a little cynical in my uh, my takes. Uh, I felt like it probably wasn't ever going to happen. I did. I didn't with Rick. I didn't think that he, he could do that. And and he did. And he got over that. And and I said, this is, this is a new era for Rick. He's, he won in March. I mean, that's, it's a postseason tournament. And then we're kind of right back to the, the mean all, suddenly within a week, we're right back to, okay. Yeah, never mind. He didn't really get that off his back. He didn't get that monkey off his back. And, and you just have to take it in totality. Um, unfortunately you have to take the good with the bad, your regular seasons are going to be great. And your post seasons with Rick are going to be a complete toss up of your, you're gonna clearly the, he does, he does well in the sec tournament. I, I don't know what the difference is. There's so much, there is so much to break down in terms of what happens in postseason basketball, obviously X's and O's on the floor is one thing. And I've, I, I'm personally of the opinion, Rick is not bad at X's O's, certainly not. It is also not his strength. Um, 
And and you you also you can dive into psychology. It gets real dorky real fast when it comes to this stuff. The psychology of like, does the coach get tight? And then that translates to his players. And really, you're kind of at that point, you're trying to get into Rick's head and and assigning intent where you can't really prove it. And I just I I don't I don't like having that conversation because just points on it are essentially unfalsifiable. Like I can't prove one way or another that Rick gets really tight and, and this is players feel that that may be the case. I, I don't know. I'm not in those huddles and I'm not in Rick's head. There's just so much that goes into all of that. Is that his problem? Is it purely just X's and O's and he just gets out coached? I, I do think in this scenario, you can say it flat out. He did. He got out coached by, by Juwan Howard. But again, that it doesn't, that doesn't mean to me, that this was all Rick's fault. I hope that makes sense. He got out coached, but it's not all Rick's fault because he Rick Rick put a strategy on the floor that had been working extremely well. Again, I probably would have done the exact same because you just you were making those shots and you're just as a coach, you just kind of have to trust your guys and go, you made these for weeks and weeks on end now. Go out and make them again. Just let's do the same thing and and make it happen. And and Juwan Howard, to his credit, did a great job and coached. And I, I didn't think he would because Juwan Howard has not necessarily proved to be a, a great coach up to this point. Um, so far, he he puts really good talent on the floor, but he's not proved to be a great coach. Um, and he brought it, and it's really, really unfortunate. Um, I just man, I think there's something to the psychological aspect that you mentioned because I think there is. Really, you look at teams that win championships. I mean, it always seems at some point in the tournament, there's just a tough grinded out game that, that like Arizona Sunday night, you know, they go to overtime against TCU. They pull that out. They could go and win blowout games and get to the final four from here. It always seems like there's just that one game that you just have to kind of throw the game plan out the window and really get inside your, your, your players heads and give them the motivation, whatever it is that they need to, to get through that game. Like you're gonna have games like that. You're gonna play six games to win a national championship. You're bound to have an off night, and maybe that has been Barnes' problem. He just doesn't know how to win those types of games. And maybe if he, I'm like, if he could just get through one of those really tough games, like the ones that you know we've seen them lost, they've, they've been close games that they that have knocked Tennessee out for the most part. You know, the Purdue game uh, in the Sweet Sixteen. I mean, that, those are games that Tennessee could have won. It's not like they were just blown out of the building. I think that might be part of the problem, but it's talking about them being in a weird spot is well, you're not going to force Rick Barnes into retirement because of this loss. I mean, that would be no. silly yeah. and nobody's suggesting that because look, there's no obvious answer out there. It, this isn't like football where uh, we were texting over the weekend about like Rick Barnes is kind of like in that Mark Rick territory at Georgia where he's really good in the regular season, but he just can't, quite get over the hump and then they bring Kirby smart in and Kirby gets them over the hump. He recruits at a higher level team plays with a lot more intensity. It seems like under Kirby smart, they win a national championship within a few years. They were in a national championship in two years. Well, in basketball, that guy is not out there for Tennessee to hire, at least not reasonably. I mean, maybe you say, Hey, maybe they can go steal Scott Drew from Baylor by just offering him a blank check. Well, he's at home right now, too, and he just lost to a number eight seed. Can you is, imagine if Tennessee was in that situation? I mean, until last year, I, 
I don't know. Yeah. I, I know a lot of Tennessee fans aren't college basketball junkies and might not know this. Until last year, that was Scott Drew's reputation, is that yeah. he was a blow-it-in-March guy. I mean, he he would put these excellent Baylor teams on the floor, and then when it came down to crunch time, he just he couldn't do it. And maybe if Reed Barnes is like 45 years old, but he's about to be 68 years old, you're not so you're not banking on some sudden improvement. Like he's got decades of this. But if you push him out, you're going to go down the same road probably that Texas went down when they hired Shaka Smart, when they thought that Shaka Smart was going to get them over the hump. And they never even, I don't even think he made it out of the first round of an NCAA tournament when no. he was there. So that, I mean, that's the other side. I mean, that's where Tennessee could easily go. You go hire one of these upside coaches like, uh, was it McMahon at, at Murray State who has Tennessee connections? He and he played at Tennessee, right? He, Under uh, Buzz Peterson. Am I thinking wow. correctly? That sounds right. Yeah, Dude, I mean, I'd have that, to look that, that would be like a guy on the radar. You know, he's there. done well at Murray State. He recruited John Morant, but there's no guarantee that he's going to come to Tennessee and like suddenly be able to take the program over the hump. Everybody thought Shocker Smart was a sure thing at, at at Texas, and he definitely wasn't. So that's why I think Tennessee fans they they need to appreciate what Rick Barnes has done and is doing at Tennessee because Tennessee basketball is in a really good place. He just to, be, just to, he he worked with Buzz Peterson, okay, uh, but did not didn't play for him, okay. That's that's why I was like I don't think so. There, yeah, but like there's work, that he would, worked for him. Yeah. yeah, so you know, you always look for somebody with a connection, and, and I've seen his name pop up in various coaching, you know, teams that need coaches right now. But I mean, that, that's the type of guy that you would have to hire. Yes, that's, that would be the, the sort of dude. And that's there's no, there's just no sure thing. Like it's such a gamble, and I don't think it's worth the risk to to try to push Barnes out and go down the road you went down with Philip Fulmer where you kind of make this strained relationship between a coach that's been really good for Tennessee. I mean, he's a he's a great ambassador of Tennessee athletics. He's a great person. And I with what he's done at Tennessee, like you said he might be the best coach ever in program history. He deserves to go out however he wants to go out. And as long as this team is still making the tournament every year, I believe that to be the case, regardless of what happens in the tournament. So you can you can be frustrated but you can also appreciate Barnes at the same time. It's it's a very strange mindset. Yeah, I I fully agree with, with everything that you said there. I mean, the the move is not to be like we have to find a guy that will get us over that. I mean, yeah, who is it gonna who is it gonna be? Provably, the the in college basketball there are there are more coaches than college football. College football is just such a small yeah. set of guys who win those national championships and are those. Those dudes. College basketball, there is more of them, but they are extremely few and far between. Well, most most of them have the same resume as Rick Barnes, if we're being honest. Like yeah. you talked about with Scott Drew until one particular season. He I that's it's really a great example. And I and I also like that that comparison to Mark Richt, where you go, this is good. It just isn't the best it could be. And so you don't want to get too down on it even though the painful stuff like what just happened happens um and there, there's just no yeah you're not gonna go and find the next Shashevsky. that's i mean you just that's a luck future. that's a blind luck type hire like there exactly. are very few 
UNC hired Roy Williams after he'd had decades of success at Kansas, and everybody knew that that was going to be his landing spot one day. Like those type of situations, just they they're very so rare. Like they they hardly ever happen, and and there's nothing like that on Tennessee's radar. You just got to get really lucky, pretty yeah. much. That 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 really is really is it. There there is no just typecast like that's the guy who. Who can do that? You're not going to go get Tony Bennett from Virginia. You're not going to go get Jay Wright from Villanova. Like, they're not yeah. leaving to come take no. this job. And so, that's- I mean, look at the last coach that was like before Barnes, and that just worked out perfect because Texas had just fired him. He had some connections to Tennessee. He's kind of from the area. I mean, they lucked into that hire. But yeah, Don, Donnie Tindall, Donnie Tindall before that, I mean, people, that wasn't a name that was on most fans radars like you that wasn't like a big name that like oh yeah i mean you kind of talked yourself into it uh and you know it was like okay it's 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 decent it's it's solid but it wasn't a sure thing at all and we saw how that turned out but but with all of that that being said that you do have to look at the situation and be grateful for how good barnes has been i think yeah. and and yeah and the the move the move is not some drastic, like, we got to no. find a guy that can win in March. Like you can I, criticize him without warning him fired. Exactly. Exactly. It, it's just a, a two things can be true at once kind of conversation. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah, you want to have the hot take and be like, he sucks. He's great. I, I, I mean, I also don't like when people are like, well, we're just, we've never made a Final Four, so we should just be happy that Tennessee, no. What you had Kennedy Chandler, Josiah Jordan James playing the best ball he's ever played. You had guys like Euros Plashitz coming into their own playing great ball. You like this was a Final Four team. This was a, a team that you put them. You you could put them at all of the different you know three spots in that tournament, and you're going to get different outcomes. Like there's depending on the draw that you have, this team was good enough to beat most of the teams in the NCAA tournament, if not all of them. Well, yeah, you beat Arizona. That that exactly says it all. That's there's there's no oh well Tennessee's never made a Final Four, so we just need to what? No, this team was good enough to win a Final Four, and they didn't do that. That is that is true. Don't give me the we're we're never gonna be that program. No, you are you're the program right now that could reach a Final Four if you put the pieces together. You just haven't put the pieces together. So I don't like that either, but I also don't like the extreme of, well, Barnes, it's March, it's March Barnes. And this guy, I wish we had somebody else, but at least he'll do. I don't, I don't like that either. It's just like most things. It just lies in the middle where you go. The regular seasons are really fun. Hey, we got an sec championship and that is absolutely incredible. And I'll be grateful for that. And that experience that I had there, for the rest of my life, frankly, I, I said it last week. That's the best Tennessee sporting event I have been to in my 30 years of life. It is because I, I wasn't at the national championship and things like that. I was young. And so as as an adult, it's the best thing that has happened. And he did that. Rick did that. I'm not going to you can't take that away from him. And so the tr- it's just in the middle. You go. Yeah. Struggles in March. He does. And that's the way that it is. But also, you're not going to bite the hand that, that feeds you pretty well um and that's that's where all that that sits it's it's not perfect and you know this is tennessee sports do we ever think it's going to be perfect no that's not how this works you know you know you know the worst part about this loss is is that 
I was part of this. I wrote articles about it. I, I mean, I think we, we talked about it a lot on the podcast last week. We talked about it. Uh, we were on 104.5 The Zone with Buck Rising, and, mm-hmm. and we talked about it last week. We all felt like Tennessee should have been a number two seed, and the national media, Joe Lenardi and others, railed against Tennessee fans. It was bad. It was irrational. They had no good reason, no good logic for why Tennessee should be a three seed, but they they went right back at Tennessee fans. And while I don't believe that a loss in the second round says a team was seeded wrong, I mean, I still think Baylor should have been a number one seed. I, I, them losing to North Carolina doesn't change my opinion of that in any way. Uh, I, that's the, You kind of gave them a lot of ammo to go right back at Tennessee fans. And that's that's frustrating. I mean, it really, I mean, I know that we, we kind of did it ourselves and yeah, you knew it was a possibility. I mean, I didn't think Tennessee would lose, but you know that it's a possibility, but it's just one more thing that, that the national media has to kind of go back at Tennessee fans with. And we will hear about this a lot moving forward. A lot. It's going to be when basketball season comes around next year and you know, Tennessee wins a few games and they lose a tough game or something. People are going to bring it up. Lenardi's going to bring it up. Dan Walken has already been firing off at Tennessee fans. And he wrote a column that, while I, I agreed with a large part of it, it's a lot of what we said today. He, his his delivery was just, he called, I think he kind of called Rick Barnes a clown show or, or something Literally. in the article. Yeah. I mean, it was, yeah. you could feel his just sort of hate of Tennessee fans coming through in that, in that article. And I get, it's a column. It's not a report. It's opinion. I mean, that's, I get it. I understand what he's doing. It works. Uh, but it was definitely targeted at Tennessee fans, and he kind of sacrificed Rick Barnes to make his point. So that, I mean, that's nonsense. Obviously, Dan Wolkin is just a, a, a sentient garbage dump. He's a loser, and um, there, there's no bigger idiot in sports media than that absolute piece of human debris. But... With that being said, I, I, it doesn't bother me as much that particular element because I am naturally a trash talker. I guess. I mean, we talked about it on last week's show. I I antagonized Kentucky fans so much last week at the SEC tournament that one of them <laughs> threw stuff at me. Okay, that's who I am. But I was also I also said last week on the show I was prepared for if Tennessee blew that game. They're going to talk right back at me. And you have to be prepared for that. If you're going to come at these folks, as Tennessee fans did, and then Tennessee blows it, I mean, you just kind of have to go like, yeah, we blew it. And, and that that is what it is. I'm not saying that, that they're right. In fact, I don't think they are right. Because I look, Auburn lost. And let's do talk about this for a second. Auburn lost um, horrifically. But they deserve to be a two seed. That mm-hmm. doesn't change that. Tennessee deserved to be a two seed. Yeah, it doesn't, doesn't change the change resume. <laughs> exactly. You can't, th- what happened doesn't go back in time and change the fact that Tennessee beat Arizona, beat Kentucky twice, beat Arkansas, beat, you know, had all of these wins. Like St. Peter's is that. not, St. Peter's is a 15 seed. <laughs> exactly. and as they should have been, there's nothing about their tournament resume that's like, oh, we can, we really missed the boat. I mean, they got an automatic qualifier. Yeah. It's the only reason they're in the tournament. Like nothing, nothing about that changes. And so that it's stupid. And they just, they're just sticking it. They're just trying to stick it to you. That's all. We talk trash and they're going to talk trash right back. And 
that's, that's part of sports to to me personally. As much as I I hate those guys, and and Dan Wolken is the well, again, absolute worst. But the the root, and I've said this a lot. I think we've both said it. The root of them going so hard at Tennessee fans, and and going back at Tennessee fans after Tennessee lost to Michigan, is the fact that Tennessee fans once again completely took over the narrative this week. They were so loud that national media had to address Tennessee being a three seed. I mean, what other fan base is that happening with really? It doesn't, it just doesn't really happen. Like Wisconsin was a three seed. I don't, they didn't deserve to be a two seed either, but maybe there's an argument for Wisconsin to be a two seed over Duke as well. I mean, you didn't see social media full of Wisconsin takes this past week or national media fans going at it with Wisconsin uh, a fan. So it's just that that is why the national media does what they do with Tennessee fans, because Tennessee fans really do kind of control their own narrative in a way. We, we, we drive a narrative. And I, and I also think there is a fascination because of things that have unfolded in recent years, you're overturning a coaching hire and things like that. I think there's a fascination from other fan bases about what Tennessee does and, and this fan base. Because yeah, we we are, I, I think the no no fan base in America moves national narratives like Tennessee does. I I don't. Who else? Who else would it be? I mean that that is when when Tennessee does stuff, the national media all goes. We have to talk about this mm-hmm. anytime because they know that they'll get whatever rage or happiness interaction with Tennessee fans. And then I think that other fan bases kind of gawk at us and and they go, what are Tennessee fans doing this week? You know? And I personally, I love that. I I think it's, I know there are Tennessee fans that really don't like our reputation. I think it's amazing. I, I want it to continue. This fan base is so powerful and so loyal and, and it makes anytime anything good happens, it makes the good stuff so incredible and just over the top. Awesome. And then the, you know, the, the pain is what it is. Again, you, if you're going to be like this, you got to expect the garbage coming back at you. So <laughs> that's, that's just, that's part of, part of the game. Um, but two, <laughs> I don't want to let this go by because we have to revel in this too. Misery loves company. Let's be totally honest. Um, Auburn got annihilated by Miami. They, I mean, Auburn have been playing some pretty poor basketball coming into this tournament. They, their guard play is not good. Um, I, <laughs> I texted this to some friends last night. Katie Johnson, their their point guard. I don't know that there's a dude in college basketball who plays with more confidence and is worse than Katie Johnson is. <laughs> that dude thinks he's so good. You can, t- I mean, he he makes a single shot. He'll make a play. He does every now and again. You know, a, a broken clock is right twice a day. He makes a shot. And then he's walking up the floor, pounding his chest. Let's go. Bah, 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 bah. And then he'll make like four terrible plays all in a row. And you go, what are you doing? Like, get like get in the game. Focus instead of thinking about. And and their guard play, it was um, green. Now, green, his compatriot, that kid has been good. Um, but he was way off last night and played terribly. He played terribly. And they that whole team played terribly in the SEC tournament. Walker Kessler looked like he didn't even want to be out there. Um, and to me, I think we can add into this conversation about Rick with this. Bruce is not a good in-game coach. I actually think Bruce Pearl is a worse in-game coach than Rick Barnes is. 
he never he never was good at Tennessee. He's everybody always says, oh, he's the the set play set out of bounds plays wizard. That's about the only thing that Rick or uh, that uh, that Bruce is is pretty good at in terms of X's and O's coaching. Um, and he just lets his guys go out there, and they were just the offensive strategy was just hiking up thirty five footers that were contested and. I was just like, why are you not calling a timeout and like drawing up plays? This is terrible. And he just, I think his philosophy is just letting, letting the talent be the talent, which has merit and it can create magic like it did a few years ago and you make a final four and then it can totally fall apart and be a nightmare like it did tonight. You have the best, arguably the best player in America and Jabari Smith, he's going to be a lottery pick and he's so, so incredibly good. Um, and he's, you know, wasted on a on a second round exit because I think Bruce, he he kind of has a non-interventionist policy, <laughs> so to speak. He he just likes to let those guys play. And I the the fact is when you look at the history of college basketball, the guys who are great at X's and O's are the guys that win national championships. Th- it is. They just are. Um you being a scattershot guy like that is just not not the way to go. And I think it, you know, you again, you have to take it all in totality. Bruce is super fun and he brings in incredible talent and he does all those things, but he's not a great in-game coach. And you have to just take all of that and, and take it to what it is and have that whole conversation in it. And it goes to the same point as, as Rick Barnes. I think it's a somewhat similar situation, honestly. Yeah, if you, and, and I do, in no way want to start this just discussion really, but it is an interesting thing. Like if you, if you were starting a college basketball team today and you had, your pick of coaches would you pick rick barnes or bruce pearl to lead your team uh i mean so okay rick it's rick barnes because i, I he like i said he's, he's a better in in-game coach i i think and but before if this was when rick barnes showed up to tennessee it would have been bruce easily i think most tennessee fans would have felt that way um, cause I was skeptical specifically of Rick's recruiting ability, but the fact that the recruiting ability at Tennessee, obviously mm-hmm. he had, he had great recruiting ability at Texas, but people were sort of like, oh, it's fallen off in recent years when he showed up at Tennessee and we weren't really sure how he'd be able to, he recruits at an incredibly high level. Mm-hmm. I believe what the number five class in America last year or something like that. Um, and, and Kennedy Chandler is incredible and we've seen the fruits of that. Um, and so now knowing that Rick can be this elite recruiter that he's become, it's, it's Rick to me. He's recruiting at essentially the same level uh, as Bruce. Yeah. Bruce got the, the singular better player this year in Jabari Smith, who just turned out to be this unbelievable dude. Um, but I, yeah. in, in totality, just the fact that Rick is just more measured and, and uh, what's the right word? Cerebral as a coach, maybe more, uh, and like I, I just think that I would I would prefer that because it's so much more frustrating to watch what uh Auburn did last night than mm-hmm. what Tennessee did. Tennessee, you're in that game right to the end. You you should have won. You were probably the better team, but it just the shots didn't fall. Auburn just got racked. I mean, it wasn't even close. <laughs> they yeah, they it was close for a decent chunk of that game, but ultimately, I mean, what they lose by 18, I think 18, 19, something yeah, like it really that really fell off there at the end. It, it was, I saw something. It was either the biggest loss by a two seed ever, the second biggest ever by a two seed, like just brutal. 
So uh, I that's that's a nice parallel. That's I didn't even think about that going in. I didn't have that thought in my head, but it actually is. That's that's a good kind of conversation to have. But I agree. I don't necessarily want to take it a whole lot further yeah. than that. Uh, no, that's not a conversation. That's not the other conversation that people have had for years of wanting Bruce Pearl to come back. That's yeah, that's no. just nonsense. Let it go. Please let do. it go. But yeah, I, th- I think there's enough proof at this point to firmly say that Rick Barnes is is the better coach especially when you like you said you combine his ability to recruit where he has landed some some really good elite five-star players I mean that you can't really ask for much more when it comes to recruiting I mean you're going to lose some of those battles to the bitter named schools you know it's inevitable but you know for the most part he's done a really good job I'll ask you this too because I think it's something that I think has an easy answer, but I've seen a lot of people, uh, especially on Facebook, asking about it and talking about it. Is there any chance that Kennedy Chandler is back next season? I this was like my last topic. I wanted oh, perfect. to perfect show. I don't think so. Cause he's gonna be he's playing at an elite level. I mean, just watch us play in that Michigan game, man. He's magic. He's so good. When, when he's playing at the top level, at the top uh, tier of his ability. Um, and being able to go to the NBA where it just becomes your full-time job, it just gives you the chance to just practice all day long and hone in your craft. I mean, there, there's a reason why guys, when they go to the NBA, you'll see guys who weren't excellent at the college level just shoot up out of no. I, I think a great example is like a Josh Richardson, to use a Tennessee example. He goes to the NBA and gets a chance to make basketball his full-time job. And the dude just put his nose to the grindstone. And he's become a really, really great player and a starter in the NBA. And it it can just shoot you up the ladder being able to do that. And that's great. And, you know, college, you have to go to class. And you got to do all the, you know, we know how it works. But this NIL stuff is interesting. I personally... I don't think that Kennedy Chandler will be subject to this. But I hope during this offseason that we do see some players go with the NIL over the NBA. I so badly want to see that happen. Obviously, it would be unbelievable if Kennedy Chandler ended up being a guy that did that. I want, I mean, I want it so badly. Pay this kid, please, 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 please. Because make no mistake about it. If he came back, Tennessee will probably be preseason number one. I mean, you will be look how good this team was. And the only person you would lose is John Fulkerson. <laughs> I mean, yeah. in, unless again, I guess technically Josiah Jordan, James could jump. I don't see that. Scoby could jump. I don't see that either. Um, but I mean, you bring him back. You're going to be one of the top teams in America. You got BJ Edwards coming in to just bolster that backcourt. I mean, yeah. good Lord, you, you will have probably the best backcourt in America. I don't Hunley know Hatfield be was playing better. Yes. Only Hatfield's coming into his own. I mean, you, you just, if, I mean, good Lord. It would be interesting. Like you saw, you saw Kennedy Chandler's emotion after that game, just in tears. That was a, a heartbreaking moment. You saw how much it meant to him. I, and, and I wondered two things. I wondered if it was the tournament run coming to an end because he really thought they could win a national championship or if he'd already made up in his mind that he's going to the NBA and that it's over. Like it was just it hitting him that his Tennessee career was over. I I, I don't know what it was. I, I think, you know, they 
they wouldn't let anybody ask him any questions about it, which I completely understand and respect. If you're a reporter, you got to try. But uh, if, if you're at Barnes, you want to protect your player in that moment. And I, I get both sides of that. But man, if it's the first part, if it's that he really thought they could make a run, then you get some NIL money. I mean, we're seeing it's going to take millions to keep Kennedy Chandler in, at Tennessee next year, like $500,000 isn't going to do it. It's going to take a pretty, pretty big deal. So I, 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 but can, if you, I can put, I can put a, a price on this. So me, me and some okay. friends were talking about this last night. And, and unless I did not look this up myself, but a, a friend of mine, let me make sure exactly what he said, but I believe he said the, the 30th overall player last year in the draft signed a contract for $1.6 million. Now is that the NBA contracts? Are they, so you, I mean, we see players all the time in the NBA get drafted in that range. They usually end up, you know, playing the G League or whatever, and they're not. Is the salary the same, or is it like, I know in MLB the salaries change based on whether you're in the NBA or not. I truly do not know. But either way, and I don't that's want a good speak. That's right? a good base number though to go off of. So you yeah. say like two million dollars is what he could go. 20th or, or something maybe i mean he's been 20, 20 of, to 30 is what i've seen yeah. the most of yeah so you say two million dollars you offer him two million dollars to stay at tennessee another year does that two million dollars and the allure of winning a national championship coming back with this pretty much this whole team back and possibly improving your draft stock to become a lottery pick and get an even bigger payday is that enough to entice him back i mean it it could be. I mean, it, it, the NIL stuff's a game changer. We haven't really seen how this is going to play out with with college basketball players yet. So this this offseason is going to be really interesting to see if it does have an impact on college basketball players. I I'm fascinated to see, and I and I hope so badly that it does happen because my whole philosophy with that has always been: go get your money. Oh go yeah, to the yeah. NBA without a doubt. I wouldn't blame him. Yes, but now you can get paid at the college level. You can so get kind paid of and possibly, like I said, possibly improve your payday in the future. Exactly. So it's, I mean, it, it's all a gamble. Every single yeah. part of this is a gamble. You can go too early and miss miss the boat and just end up a lifer G League player. Uh, and and you could also come back next year, make that money, get injured. I mean, I not to speak that into existence, but like that it's it happens. It absolutely yeah. happens. And and then that throws a whole wrench and everything. That there's risks on both ends, and I, I, I want everybody to make the decision that is the best for them. But I really want to see that happen, where a top level player who's who's a projected draft pick stays for for big money. Because I mean, you definitely can. I I, I think a, an example of this. I don't know the full history there because I'm not going to act like I'm an Arizona fan. But I believe Matherin at Arizona was it was basically good enough to go to the NBA last year and he came back and there's no way that that kid didn't make himself massive amounts of money I mean if you watched that game last night against TCU he is a monster and he's act actively in this tournament this kid is making himself money I mean he's just racking up dollar bills just with each of these awesome plays that he makes um, and I've, if, al I've always thought that was the better path for a college player. Like I'm, I'm with you. I'd get going and making the money. If I was in that same situation, it's tough to wait a year and pass up that payday. I completely understand it. But if you're patient in a lot of cases, these true freshmen that leave after their first year would have 
I mean, greatly increase their paydays if they would have came back for just one more year. I, like you said, I know there's risk, but in most instances, instances you're going to make more money. Um, I get, like I said, I get it. It's tough to pass up. I, I don't know that I'd be able to pass it up if you're like, hey, you're going to be a 30th pick. Of course, we've also seen guys that thought they were going to be a first round pick slip into the second round and maybe wish they would have come back as well. Oh, yeah. Um, that's, that's happened a lot also. Yeah. Yeah. It's as it's a gamble on both ends. What what is the what is the rule now on declaring? Can't you go a little bit further and still take your name out of the draft than you were able to? I so with the NIL stuff, it was previously if you didn't sign with an agent. I think you can you could hire. because didn't at Admiral did this. Admiral yeah. Southfield before yeah. his senior season, he went, did workouts uh for, for NBA scouts and stuff. And then decided he wanted to come back because they just didn't tell him what he wanted to hear. Um, I don't know if it's the exact same. I need to look that up. Uh, but I there is definitely a way where you can essentially go be evaluated, feel out that entire situation, and then decide if you're gonna uh, come back. I you look at the entire landscape of the NIL. I don't know that anything makes more sense than a situation like with a kid like Kennedy Chandler because with with totally fresh recruits you have no idea what you're getting like Kennedy Chandler coming in last year he's a five-star recruit but you have no idea if he's gonna be a great player and an, and a giant NIL deal is a total risk um if you're gonna throw like seven figures at this guy it's it is a huge gamble to just go here's a million dollars you may totally flame out you may be awesome but now You've seen it. Kenny Chandler's a dude. He's a total dude. He's going to be a great basketball player. He's already a great basketball player. And so, uh, and and he has obviously around Knoxville and, and and with Tennessee fans, he has crazy name recognition. He's getting name recognition on a national level. Yeah, John Morant's tweeting about him every time he plays. Exactly. And so you start getting exposure like that. NIL deals make a whole lot more sense for a guy like that where his profile is huge. Mm-hmm. You know he's going to be a great player. You know he's not... Like you, you have essentially certifiable proof that he's not going to be a flame out. And I, again, I want to see this happen so badly because I want to see how it turns out so, so, so badly. I want to see, cause I, I think it could be awesome. It could be a, a, just a complete game changer. Cause there's really, it's, it's an incredible case study. The level of college basketball went down drastically when they allowed guys to leave um, early. Um, because you, or, or just skip straight to, to the NBA. I guess there, there wasn't really a time where you had to stay a certain amount of time like baseball. Cause it isn't baseball. You have to stay three years or something, Yeah, but if you go, yeah, if, yeah. And you can choose. Cause most of those guys get drafted. They have like 82 rounds in the MLB draft anyway, Which, but that would be an interesting thing is like, if you. Well, I'll let you finish and I'll get to this. Well, just if if you could incentivize these guys to stay longer because them not staying absolutely drops down the quality of college mm-hmm. basketball. If you get a guy like Ben Matherin in Arizona staying, you get a guy like Kennedy Chandler staying. I mean, this guy's going to be a top five pick, but like, say, Jabari Smith stayed another year. I mean, just think about that. You got NBA players playing college basketball, basically. Of course, the level of play is going to be elevated. And so I want to, I truly, as, oh, a, as a college basketball junkie, I want to see it. I want to see it so bad just to see 
what what could happen and what what that'll look like. And obviously, in this case, it's very selfish because Tennessee will be an absolute powerhouse if Kennedy Chandler comes back. Make no mistake about that. Uh, they they'll be. I think they're going to be one of the best teams in America anyway. But if he comes back, I mean, you're probably considered top top five minimum. I yeah. think. I've always thought with the NBA draft, I, I'm the same way. When I was growing up, you you watch these great college basketball teams and most players stayed until they were juniors, like really good players. Like I remember Vince Carter being on highlights in the nineties as a junior. I think, well, he might've went after his sophomore year, but they used to stay two or three years and leave early. There was rare that you had a player that was a freshman. Like I think Stefan Marbury was one of the first ones. I remember that left after his freshman year. Then you had a handful like Kevin Garnett that would jump straight to the NBA and I understand the argument for players should be able to do what they want to do. They shouldn't have to be forced to go play a year in college. I mean, you, you've seen some people try to get around, like LaMelo Ball went and played, I think, overseas for a year instead of going to college. I, w- I wouldn't mind seeing something like what MLB does, where you come straight out of high school, you enter the draft if you want to, and if you get drafted 25th, you can elect to go back to college. But if you do, you've got to stay two or three years like MLB requires. So then you've you've got this option where you don't force a LeBron James type talent or somebody that's just obviously NBA ready at 18 years old, which is pretty rare. I mean, that we we before they changed the rules, a lot of these guys were jumping straight to the NBA and we never heard from them again. But that would allow some of those players that don't necessarily need to be playing in college where they're NBA ready to go ahead and do that. And if a team wants to take them with a top 10 pick and that guy wants to sign, you know, that that's all good and well. But if it's a little risky, you don't want to take that player that high, you know, then, okay, go back to college, but you got to stay two or three years. Like that's the, that's the drawback to pulling your name out of the draft. I mean, I, that maybe would be one option. I, I'm the same way. I wish, I wish more players did stay, but I also understand them wanting to get their money. That that makes too much sense, Zach. We can't have that around <laughs> here. The NCAA can't do something like that. It's that's it'd be good lo- for them logical. though. It's the it's really the NBA having to work with the NCAA that would have to make something happen, and that's I don't have a lot of faith in that happening. No, I I am <laughs> as with most things as we've established. I'm cynical on that whole thing because it's. There's just never going to be a day where the NCAA does what's truly right for players. They're just, it's not never going to happen. And, and it would, it would require them and the NBA to symbiotically do that. And then if they, if they do what's right, it's not in good faith. Usually it's probably just something that they were forced to do or perception, just like the NIL stuff. Yeah. Much as they fought it and they're still fighting it because they're still trying to come down on, on some of the stuff that's happening where, they don't want schools directly involved and they're kind of, I mean, I get it, but of course these schools are directly involved. <laughs> they're going to want to know who they're signing. You can't pay a player and the school haven't like be forced to take their commitment or their signature. So it's, it's nonsense, but they, they want, they want to have control. Don't we all, you know, uh, <laughs> but it's that, that is a great conversation. I hope, I hope, so badly that it happens if not if not with kennedy with with just somebody because i want to it's just like a great experiment i i want to see how that turns out because i think it could be really great for both parties i genuinely Man. do 
Uh, Chandler and, would be one of the rare. I mean, he'd be more popular than than Hendon Hooker or any oh. Tennessee football player. Yeah, right. Right now, just because the basketball team is so much better, um, you know, play, playing in a, you know, they're they're a championship team. I mean, that's the bottom line. When's the last time Tennessee football won a championship? Ninety eight, <laughs> unfortunately. Um, you know, so that's he he would be. I mean, he he's that guy. They. Um, I, I went to some some Tennessee merch stores uh, after this champion just just to look at what everybody had, um, and there there's Kennedy merch with his face on it everywhere in all of those places already, and he's I mean he's just that guy you know he's he would be incredibly marketable so I would love 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 to see that happen but personally I I interpret what happened at the end of that game as he's already made up his mind and he just he's it's the end and he was sad that that's that that's how it was gonna end um that's how i interpret it again i'm putting i'm projecting that onto him he maybe he does maybe it affects him so deeply that he decides to come back that's kind, kind of like with fulkerson last year i you know he he didn't want that to be the way that he went out and utilized yeah. that 93rd year that he was able to get somehow. And to be fair, Fulkerson wasn't staring down a multi-million dollar payday <laughs> either. That's true. <laughs> that he, he'd have, he's gonna have to get a real job if he leaves. Yeah. He'll be all right though. Yeah, he's he's got plenty uh he, he's a legend around these parts now. Um, so that shouldn't be a problem. But uh I we covered most bases, I think. We're edging on going going long here although we did almost 90 minutes last week so who really cares but um just trying to think oh we okay we would be remiss if we didn't mention this this can be short kentucky lost to st peter we gotta throw that in there (laughs) i man i had the best that was the best moment of the weekend really oh yeah well that beat down longwood was really fun but yeah yeah that's true uh but the weekend really did you feel like there was a some lackluster games like there we didn't really have that many buzzer beater type moments it kind of i'm going to say a letdown but it didn't there wasn't as many great moments as i was hoping for that game with arizona and tcu last night might have yeah, been it that, that yeah. might have been the best game mm-hmm. uh, of the weekend although really that game between kentucky and st peters i mean you went to overtime Huge shots. What's the uh, Doug? Doug Eater. Yes, that guy, the hero that America needed. Doug Eater stepping up, <laughs> hitting those big shots. Um, I He's I loved after the now. game. He's there. I don't know if you watched his interview after that game. He's the school is in New Jersey, I believe. Uh, and they interviewed him, and he has like this super thick New Jersey accent. Was just like, I just went out and made the shots. He's <laughs> just trying to, you know, do what's best for my team. Like it's, I loved it, and he has that mustache. Doug, proud of you, Doug. That's a perfect um, name for him too. Yeah, yeah, Doug. man. <laughs> it's it's a great story. Uh, but so so I had a field day after that because everybody, if you listen to the show, my you got to listen to Kentucky Sports Radio after something devastating happens to Kentucky. I mean, it it's high comedy, and this was so they lost to Tennessee in the SEC tournament, and I listened to that show, and they were not happy, but they. We talked about it last week. They've kind of come to a point where they're like, Tennessee is kind of better than us now. Or, or not, if not better than us, they just totally have our number. Like, they've just kind of consigned themselves to that, and that's amazing. But in this case, it was DEFCON 1 meltdown mode, baby. They were taught, it's Calipari's fired. 
what do we do? Calipari runs antiquated offense, which is true, by the way. Um, he's he's I fit him kind of into that same category of like amazing recruiter, not a great mm-hmm. coach. Um, and so he's he's in it pretty bad. I they're not going to fire him. He has a literally, I believe, a lifetime contract. But they were. I mean, they they were essentially saying it's the worst loss in Kentucky basketball history. Um, it was like a consensus where it was just like the spot that it happened in, the way that you lost, how humiliating it was. Um, and we got to live through that. And that's a great, that was fun. <laughs> it was it was a highlight of the weekend. I, I can't lie. Uh, yeah, there was, uh, there were, I said it was, it was, there was lackluster games, but there, yeah, like you said, there were a few great moments with the Kentucky game, the Arizona game, the Gonzaga game uh, did you see the post-game interview with with uh was it timmy drew timmy his uh, uh, i did not he was basically censoring himself it's fantastic you have to go huh. look up that interview if, if you're listening you need to look it up i they, love... they asked him what he said in the locker room and you can see uh. him pausing whenever uh. <laughs> there was like a expletive that was uttered in the uh locker room and he paused and thought of what word to replace it with it's it's tremendous it's almost like a like a little bit that somebody was doing i love i mean drew timmy gonzaga plays on the west coast and so i I feel like a lot of tennessee fans probably don't like watch them play a lot they just sort of know that gonzaga is good if you don't know the lore there he is kind of their john fulkerson and he's basically if john fulkerson was an all-american like a (laughs) full-blown like one of the best players in america he's ex i mean he scored what he scored in that game like 35 points or something yeah he was he was yeah went off uh was unstoppable he's also seven feet tall he's a monster um but i their whole deal i i mean they're they're my team kind of from here on out i think i just first of all they're playing duke and they're fun to watch through duke um they i believe that's right they they're duke's their next game i think um if i'm make sure i i don't misspeak there but oh no 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 they're playing uh they're playing arkansas sorry who's duke playing no, what am I? Hold on. This is uh, 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 Michigan. Yeah, they are. Um, sorry, I misspoke there. They're who's Duke is playing Texas Tech. Texas Tech. Sorry, I got no, the, I got crossed yeah, yeah. there. Um, I haven't. I I went on a trip this weekend. I was people might have seen on my Instagram. I was at Jack Daniel's Distillery on on Sunday, uh, drinking my sorrows away uh, as much as they would let me. It is a dry county, but. Um, yeah, the, I, Gonzaga, just their whole setup. I love Mark Few, everything that they do. If I, if you want to have that conversation we were having earlier, like my ideal coach would be Mark Few, man. I, I just love his whole philosophy, the way that he operates. So they're my boys. Go, go Bulldogs. Oh, it's easy when you, when, I mean, when you got a player like Chet Holmgren though, that's what, seven one and can bring the ball up the court and just. I don't know if there's a more versatile player in college basketball than him. Well, I said, who who has more gaudy stats and less body mass than... I know. Than Shed Holmgren? <laughs> He's... He's 7'1", and Jarnell Stokes probably outweighed him by 150 pounds. But he doesn't get pushed around. That's the craziest part. I don't... Like, his game to me... He's he's an incredible like finesse player and he's just mm-hmm. he's so lengthy. He looks like a praying mantis out there. Mm-hmm. He can be anywhere, get any rebound. Um, yeah, that well, that's yeah. 
good good luck with anybody that has to play them them down low. M- Memphis, as much as I hate them, um, gave an admirable effort. Yeah, uh, they really did. But they're they're going to be one to contend with. I think they're going to beat Arkansas, uh, and also at, at this point, go Villanova because I'm too bitter. I got to see Michigan lose. Ugh. Maybe one day that that can we'll get there. Well, Zach, anything else for the good folks at home? I think this uh, might be it. We let's let's do say here. Um, we're gonna take a turn into football. I know that's obviously gonna be a, a huge topic here with spring ball coming up. So we are we haven't forgotten about it. Uh, it's it's coming up. We just you got to give this its due. Um, Tennessee in this NCAA tournament. It's an ended sooner than we thought, so we'll get to turn our attention to uh, spring ball a little more than we probably were hoping. <laughs> Even yeah. I, I wish we could have talked about Tennessee basketball longer. And then baseball, we, again, got to mention, just smashed South Carolina over the weekend. Wasn't even close. None of those games. I don't, I, South Carolina, I don't think ever had any, had a lead on Tennessee even. Uh, in those games, they swept them and they won the final game of the sweep by 10 and the <laughs> Vitello put in Ben Joyce. I when, loved your tweet. Huh? <laughs> he put in Ben Joyce when they were already up by 10 runs in the final the final inning of that game. And he, I mean, he just, he threw 103 mile an hour fastballs right down the pipe and <laughs> they were already up by 10. That's speaking pretty cold. Of, speaking of NIL deals, I mean, I know Tennessee has more important players and, and maybe better all around players, but, but Ben Joyce has become on a national level, the most recognizable player on Tennessee's baseball team. I mean, mm-hmm. thought about this before. Open social media this morning. I saw several Ben Joyce tweets from national accounts. I see things. I follow a bunch of baseball accounts on Instagram, and I see stuff on there all the time, too. I mean, he could get an NIL deal being a relief pitcher for Tennessee. I mean, how if Tennessee baseball players are getting that much attention – just think about, you know, football and, and basketball and where all of that's going to go from here. Mm-hmm. The volunteer fireman, as he's been <laughs> dubbed, Ben Joyce. Uh, I, man, I'm excited. I haven't been to a game yet. I'm t- Personally, I'm going to turn my attention to that because when it's spring, you go go sit in the stadium for a few hours, watch some baseball, grab a beer, dude. I don't know if there's anything better in, in sports than that. So uh, not to be like a salesman on Tennessee's behalf, but it is a whole lot of fun. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and uh, with Tennessee football spring practice starting Tuesday, uh, you know how spring practice goes. There's a lot of a lot of this guy standing out, that guy standing out, or you know, it, it, it's a lot of assumptions made early in the spring that don't really mean a whole lot. We don't we don't tend to learn a whole lot about a team in the spring, but it's still. Still fun to see what storylines develop. You, you just hope for Tennessee's sake they get through spring unscathed. Don't lose anybody. God, don't let anything happen to Hendon Hooker. Because oh, please, Joe Milton, protect him at all costs. Real briefly, I mentioned I mentioned a few players this morning that uh, in an article that they really need to have a good spring practice for Tennessee to win ten games in in twenty twenty two. I actually feel like Joe Milton's one of those players because. How often does a starting quarterback go through the whole season and not miss a snap at the college level? Like it just doesn't mm-hmm. happen. Even if it's a handful of series, we saw it last year with the old miss game. Joe Milton came in at the end and ran out of bounds to end the game. Or or if it's a spot start where, hey, Tennessee's playing 
Missouri this week. And this is a game that Tennessee's much better than Missouri, but they need, you know, Hendon Hooker's banged up. They need adequate play from the backup quarterback. It's the true freshman Taven Jackson, which is a complete unknown, or it's Joe Milton, who's got a lot of upside, but just hasn't been consistent. Like you need to be able to count on Joe Milton to come in and win you a tough game if you have to. And that, that could be the difference in a nine or 10 win season. Absolutely. Well said. And we'll, again, we'll talk about all of that because there's plenty to say. Um, I actually went on a show a couple of weeks ago and, and was kind of doing position breakdowns for Tennessee. And there's plenty to talk about. I, I would I would put it that way to just give everybody a, a, a preview. Plenty to talk about at all, all different positions and kind of where Heupel's head is at with specifically the the defense. I mean, I think that's, we all realize that's the the piece that needs the most improvement and where they could kind of go from there. So we'll have those discussions uh, coming up. And otherwise, I think, uh, and we will say this, Nico Iaumaliava. Uh, you wrote some stuff this week. Um, he moved, is apparently moving up his, commitment um yeah, to, we thought it was going to be in may now it sounds like it may be next month in april and tennessee some people there's some people that think, favorite yeah there's some people that think he could pop off at any time too this week i mean i've seen a lot of people a lot of speculation out there recruiting is fluid and if anybody tells you that they know what a recruit is going to do they're pretty much full of it because we've seen a lot of really well-connected recruiting guys get burned on stuff i mean they, they can change hour to hour so we'll see what happens but uh, yeah probably in april could happen this week maybe maybe next week we're talking about nico being committed to tennessee but at maybe. this point if he does not commit to tennessee it's gonna be a full meltdown on uh <laughs> vol twitter so just let's hope that doesn't happen for yeah. a lot of reasons i mean what whatever happened on that visit whether it was just a great visit and he loves it or this whole $8 million contract thing is actually true. Whatever it, it might oh, be. The- Nico has just committed to Tennessee as we are on the air, as we're recording are you, this. I'm don't make this up, not, dude. Are you serious? I'm not. I don't know how to get that on <laughs> camera here. Can you see that? <laughs> Koval's 24-7 here. Wow. Wow. What, oh, said, what timing time. was that, man? Wow. What kind of timing? We did that on purpose. Okay, I'll admit. I'll admit. We knew. We knew that this was yeah. coming. That we was knew. a setup. I mean, we <laughs> waited till the very end until the, you know, the, yeah, it was a setup. We knew. Let me. Wow. That is real. Look at that. Thank God you did not wait two more minutes, Nico. <laughs> Literally, I was about to end the show. <laughs> that is amazing. What and well, now I mean, what, what a pickup! Yeah, I mean, I mean that is for a second here. That is, we've said for a while that you to win a championship in college football, to make an SEC championship run, you have to have a transcendent quarterback. Unless you're Georgia, that just had this ungodly defense full of five-star players this past year and they managed to win with Stetson Bennett you need a transcendent quarterback like Alabama's had many top like Clemson had with Trevor Lawrence I mean it's just it's 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 what you have to have it's a quarterback driven sport I mean from the NFL to, to college football and there's no one player that you can land that 
can have an impact on a team like a quarterback. And there's some people that think Nico is better than Arch Manning. Like Arch Manning gets the name recognition as being the five-star quarterback, and he's ranked higher. But if you took the names away, Nico is right there where he he's kind of got he's a little more fluid. Not gonna, I mean, there's nothing wrong with Arch Manning's game, but there's just some that think that Nico might be a little more talented. Um, that if his name was was different, that he would be the top ranked quarterback in the country right now. I, I'll say this about him: I think he fits this system at Tennessee better than Arch Manning does. Uh, or whoever you think is the "quote unquote" better guy, I think his his style of play um, it makes it makes the most sense to me that they went so heavily at uh, at Nico. Um, well, it was very smart, I think, on Heupel's end. And the whole Tennessee staff because they never they never tried to get in that Arch Manning thing. Clearly, it wasn't that they didn't think they could get Arch Manning because Nico is is in that same caliber. But they chose Nico basically, like they went after him specifically, and they 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 never even tried to get involved with Arch Manning. Now you can say that Arch Manning wasn't going to consider Tennessee to begin with, but I don't. I don't know if that's necessarily true because he's, you know, he's he's got Florida on his list all of a sudden, and that's a coach that hasn't really proved anything. We really don't know what the offense is going to look like at Florida next year. He's in with Steve Sarkeesian at Texas, who might not even make it past his second year if he doesn't improve. I think Tennessee could have got like a visit out of Arch if they would have strongly pursued him, but they made their choice. They went all in on Nico, and I think I think that's a obviously a big reason why Tennessee was able to get him. If there's some NIL stuff as well, that obviously plays a factor. But you're going to have to do that at this point with any quarterback. You had to do yeah. it to keep Hendon Hooker in Knoxville. But they they weren't like the other SEC teams. They went all in on Nico, and I think that meant a lot to him. So let's just hit some of the high points. This is from from two four seven. I I don't know. Uh, if they had the exclusive, if they didn't, and it was Vol Quest, I don't know. Forgive me. This is all uh, he tweeted. He did tweet. He tweeted. He tweeted his, it. But okay. I think I think they might have knew. I I mean I will. Yeah, I'll say this. They had everything prepared. <laughs> Clearly, they have whole stories already up. Like the second that this was announced, so uh, I think this was already kind of in the works. Probably why. I mean, you saw in the last week all of those guys making predictions for Tennessee. Uh, to land him as as a recruit but he he said they had everything that i was looking for Ayao maliava told 247 sports i met some incredible people not just with the football program but everyone we met was so welcoming to us and made me feel like home i mean we we said that when we were talking about his his visit we did a whole segment on it on on the show i don't know how you could have had outside of this whole nil talk and the potential of whatever happened there um i mean he couldn't have had a more perfect um, visit. And and we said, like, you created such a special moment at the basketball game where they were chanting his name and he said his mom cried and all of this stuff where it, you just made this this visit so good and did they did such a great job when they had him here. Uh, and then maybe the NIL was just the thing that took it over the top. I who it, Well, if it, if it happened, we got to caveat that. If whatever happened there... Um, and so let, let's say this congratulations to everybody involved there. Obviously you got to get them locked down. You got to get them under uh, on, on the dotted line and these kids can change their minds at any time. But assuming 
that he stays with Tennessee. What a building block this is yeah. for a recruiting class. This is, we've already said it plenty. And this is why it's so important to get this guy a super high profile, highly sought after quarterback. You get him in the fold and then you can, you can essentially, for lack of a better word, use him to say to other guys, hey, we got him. Why don't you come play with him? You know, to a wide receiver, say he's going to be throwing you the ball, and you know how good he is. You've you've seen him, haven't you? And he's going to be getting you the ball on you know three three times on every single drive. We're going to get you huge numbers. He's going to get huge numbers, and then we're going to go win a national championship. I mean, the things that you can sell just off of having this guy in in the fold is is massive. I like. I don't think that you could say that enough. Just how honestly, this is so huge. I can't believe the timing on this. This is ridiculous that we were able to fit this in. Clearly, we are not in that in the no uh, recruiting recruiting fold uh, as as far as this stuff goes. Um, but uh, wow, it, it, it erases everybody. Well, it doesn't it, all around. It it answers a lot of questions about Josh Heupel. Yeah, obviously he can recruit. This is a. I mean, Tennessee has not won a recruiting battle like this in a a long time. I mean, they haven't had a five-star quarterback in 20 some years. It, it, it's monumental really for the program. I don't think you can understate how important this is for all the reasons you said. I mean, it's going to lead, it, it legitimizes Tennessee football. It says to other five-star recruits, four-star recruits, like, Hey, that guy's going there. I'll, you know, I want to be a part of that. I could go to Alabama and, you know, it'll turn out well, but I'm going to have a lot more competition there. I can go with this guy, and I'm going to have the quarterback I need to to excel. Uh, it's it's absolutely massive for the program. I don't know what it'll directly lead to uh, as far as the next couple of years for Tennessee football, but just in general, I think it this could be what kind of turns the program, turns the tide in the program to take them over to hump to competing with Georgia and the SEC East, like this moment right here. And the good news, when you were talking about you got to sign the guy, that is true. Uh, you, you have to do that. It never stops. You got to recruit him all the way through college now because of the transfer portal. But he's going to be your guy. And we don't usually see a lot of quarterbacks decommit. They like Quarterbacks like to get in, locked in early, they want their spot. Uh, you see them re- uh, commit this this time of year a lot. That's why it's kind of surprising that Arch Manning is waiting so long. And it really helped Tennessee in this process because it shifted Alabama and Georgia's focus to him uh, and left kind of left Nico there for uh, for Tennessee, who Ole Miss was also after Miami and Oregon. So they, it wasn't just Alabama and Georgia. They beat out some other top-tier programs. They beat out Lane Kiffin because Lane Kiffin also – Badly wanted Nico. So I'm I'm looking now. He he posted a video on Instagram that was produced. I don't know if Tennessee produced this for him. I feel like there's a pretty decent chance that that's the case. Um, because Tennessee has an incredible video team. Um, and it is a video with his mom, and it literally has in it the we want Nico Chan at the basketball game it's him and his mom and then they show that the video of it i i don't want to say that i feel i i love when i make a point on this show and i'm i'm like super right (laughs) can i i just look i wouldn't do this if i didn't like hear the 
dumb sound of my own voice, okay? But I do have to point out, last week on this show, or whenever it was, two weeks ago, I made the point that that was such a huge moment. I, you cannot, you cannot create that where it's this organic, like, powerful moment where the fans do something like this. And and as I said, you can't recreate like his mother's emotions of just having this special moment of like, this is incredible. Um, and now she's in that video and they're talking about, oh, I killed our graphics. Whoop. There we go. Um, go to youtube.com to see what just happened. Um, <laughs> but the, the, I, I don't know what the, the right word is. The, the usefulness, the, the, pa- the power, the, that's the right word. The power of a moment like that in, in recruiting is so huge. And you see it, you see it right there. It's in, it's in the bit, it's in the video. Yeah. We put it in the video. Like that's something that other programs want to replicate. And it, exactly. nothing about that was fabricated on Tennessee's you, end. Completely not everybody organic. can do that. Let, no. let, t- like Tennessee can do that with this crazy, unbelievable fan base that Tennessee has. You can create that, that moment. And not everybody can do that. That's a special thing. And wow, I you know I let's not say the Tennessee fans did the whole thing in, in getting him locked in, but I think clearly that man that was a huge yeah. a huge factor. Played, obviously, yeah, I think it, it played a big part in it for sure. It definitely set. I think Oregon was a real threat. I think Miami was on the verge of becoming a real th- threat because Mario Cristobal is a a very good recruiter and he's going to get a lot of good players down there. But I think all things considered. That had a lot to do with it because, you know, Oregon, the NIL stuff, we talk about playing a factor. But I think you kind of have to look at that as like, oh, you got to do your part. You got to make the offer. It's got to be a good offer because the other schools going to make a good offer. And, you know, Oregon with Nike money is going to make a pretty good offer, too. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I don't look at like you have to do the NIL stuff, but I don't know how much that's going to tip the scales and recruitments moving forward because I think it's just something you have to do. That's why I think that weekend and Tennessee fans really – I can't think of a, a recruitment that they played a bigger part in uh, than Nico's. That's huge. Uh, well, incredible stuff. Um, <laughs> caught us completely off guard. Yeah, that's, that's – <laughs> But unbelievable timing. Shout out to Nico. Um, for he – clearly he knew – that we were doing this and he said, I'm going to, I'm going to make sure that I do it before they're done recording. We appreciate that. We, we talked to him beforehand. I'll, I'll pull back the curtain a little bit. We <laughs> talked to him beforehand. No. <laughs> uh, you no, talk about I, an organic reaction. That was about, that was as organic as it gets. <laughs> That's real. I literally thought you were like joking. Like I thought you were making, yeah, I wouldn't, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do that to you here. Cause you, you literally said, Oh, well, it seems like at any time, you know, there are some people that think that it could drop at <laughs> yeah. any time. Clearly, that that was the case at, you know, on a Monday. So there you go. <laughs> I think that's the show. Um, I'm Charlie Burris. That is Zach Reagan. We've we've laid it all out there for you today. Blood, sweat, and unfortunately because of Tennessee sports tears. Um at Charlie underscore Burris, at Zach TNT on Twitter, at A to Z Sports, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook.com slash A to Z Sports, uh, Nashville, A to Z Sports, slash A to Z Sports Nashville, and A to Z Sports.com for everything that Zach and I write. And then YouTube.com, type in A to Z Sports uh, there in the search bar on YouTube and subscribe to the YouTube channel. 
to see us and all the other shows on the network. I think that is all. Whew, this was a long one, Zach, but a good one. We got it. Yep. We fit everything in the show. That's great. And with that said, we'll talk to you all next week. See you guys later. Oh,